Hey, we are in the midst of a six-week series. Uh, if you haven't been around, a six-week series. To the, this is week five uh, that we're going to be uh, speaking in. Excited to be able to share what I have today. Next week, we wrap things up. And uh, it's going to be a really encouraging message. So I want to make sure you don't miss out on that. It's also my birthday next Sunday. So, so you should probably sing to me or something, okay? That's what I want. But no, uh, so... Uh, this morning we are, like I said, we're in week five of this series, and uh, the series that we're in is it's on the book of Malachi, and it's just been entitled Faithful, as we're talking about the faithfulness of God and how he has called us to respond in faithfulness. But this morning we said it's a little bit of a different Sunday, so if you're a guest, know this, we're, we're ending, trying to end here at 11 o'clock, uh, and then we're going to be rolling into our annual business meeting. And so uh, I've heard it said when it comes to communicating, if you can't be good, be short. So I'm going, to try and be, I'm going to try and be short today and be done. We're going to nail this thing at 11 o'clock, all right? So stick with me. You're going to have to lean in because I'm moving fast today, all right? All right, so stick with me, okay? Quick question. How many of you grew up in church? You attended church when you were a kid growing up, okay? A lot of you raising your hand, okay? Some of you were probably altar boys. Some of you slept on a pew. Some of you, how many of you got in trouble at church when you were a kid? Some of you those people, right? That's fine, okay? There's no judgment here. That's fine, okay? Here's what I think. I think no matter what denomination you grew up in, if you grew up in the church, I think all of us were taught some element of religious dogma. What do I mean by that? I think we all received, if you grew up in a Christian church, you received the truth of the gospel wrapped in some element of a religious system, all right? Every one of us. And that's not to say that it's bad, but we all kind of take on a little bit of a religious system, whatever background you had. We all have that. And there, there's an element of what you should do, what you shouldn't do, that oftentimes we get taught. Now, the problem is that some of those things that we're taught are biblical, but some of them aren't even biblical. They're just the tradition, right? Again, there's nothing bad about that, uh, but it isn't truly the gospel. It isn't what God has called us or what he's commanded us to. And I know around here we say that we are gospel-centered, right? What's my hope? My hope is that we will slowly peel away some of those things that are not really the gospel and get to the core, the heart of what this thing is all about. And that's been my personal story. I didn't grow up in a super traditional faith background, but I still brought on a number of these, these religious system and this religious dogma that was attached to me. And so part of my life has been growing up and starting to see, okay, what is really the gospel and what has been stuff that I just added on? And I want to peel some of those things away. It's caused me to wrestle certain things in my life. And the topic that we're going to deal with today is one of those areas that I've had to wrestle with in my life, all right? I come to you humbly today because this is something I think we're all going to have to wrestle with in some way, all right? Uh, what we're going to talk today about, the topic has to do with the topic of money, all right? Topic of money. And I just want to say this, that if, if you are sitting next to a friend who invited you to church today, they just broke into a hot sweat, okay? They're like, seriously, Greg? The one day I invite my friend and you're going to talk about money. That's exact. So just give them some grace, all right? Just get it, all right? Um, why, why do we talk? Because people say, man, the church only talks about money. Well, I don't talk about money because I like talking about it. I talk about it because the Bible talks about it, right? Why are we talking about it today? Because that just happens to be where we're at in the book of Malachi. So this is what we're talking about today. But I think there's another reason why we have to talk about money, because Bible and Jesus talked about money a lot, and he understood something. When it comes to money, if we get the money thing wrong, it can be destructive in our world. You know that. But if we can get the money thing right, 
it can result in blessing in our lives. And I think the enemy doesn't want you to listen to what we have to talk about today because he knows he doesn't want you to get this one right, all right? And so just understand this is something we're going to have to wrestle a little bit with this morning. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse number 6. As always, if you don't have a Bible, you can always borrow one from the table at the back. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text here this morning? Again, I say this every week, but there's nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do to say, God, we value your word. It's important to us. All right, Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse number 6, says this. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you still want to speak to us, and this word that is uh, 2,500 years old still has a resonance in our hearts today. So God, speak to us, we pray in your name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. All right, cool. We always talk about it. we got to have context. I don't have time to go through all the context of Malachi, but I'm going to give you the short story. All right, God's got a group of people, right? The Israelites. And you know in the Old Testament, what happens? God, we love you. And then they turn away. God, we need you. And then they turn away. God, save us. And then they turn away over and over and over again. It gets to the point where they've turned from God and God has them exiled. They're exiled off to another land. And God, because he is faithful to them, what does he do? He returns them back to their land. So they're back to land. And you would think they'd be like, yes, God, we will serve you. But what do they do? They went their own way again. They're doing their own thing again. And this is why God sends the prophet Malachi to come speak to them, to say, listen, guys, I have been faithful to you, and you keep turning away, right? And we've looked through the book, at, right in the first thing, uh, cha uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, listen, I have loved you. I've been faithful to you. And he goes over and over and over again, all the ways that they have been unfaithful to him. And so I want to dig into the text here because he starts to spell some things out. Beginning of verse 6, what does it say? I, the Lord, do not change. What's he saying? Listen, I'm faithful. I'm the same. I'm not changing. You're the one changing here. He goes on, so you, the descendants of Jacob, the Israelites, this people that are God's special people, right? So you are not destroyed. See, the only reason you're not destroyed is because I'm that good, right? You don't deserve this. You don't deserve to be rescued, but I have chosen to rescue you. I have been faithful to you. He goes on, for, for uh, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them, right? They keep turning away, right? Turning away, turning away, turning away. Get this verse. Some of you need to hear this. Return to me, and I will return to you. There's some of you that may get nothing else out of this message except what I'm about to say right here. Because there's times in our lives where we feel distant from God, we feel apart from God, we feel like we're separated from God. I'll just say this. If you feel that way, if you find yourself in a season where you're apart from God, he isn't the one that moved. Now, we can't rely on our feelings all the time, but the first question we need to ask is, have we stepped away from God? Are we prioritizing him? Because what is his heart? 
His heart isn't like, I'm going to play hide and seek. I'm going to go hide over here. Try and find me. Like, that's not what he's doing. He's saying, listen, return to me. Come back to me, and I'll return to you. Like, that's what my desire is, right? Some of you need to hear that this morning, right? We go on, he says, but you ask, how are we to return? How is it specifically for these people? How have, how have we walked away from you? Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. You have stolen from me. You are cheating me. Other translations say that. You're, you're treating, cheating me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? How are we stealing or cheating you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole land, because you are robbing me. The issue that we are going to deal with this morning, we're going to look at, has to do with the tithe. Okay? The tithe. This is the idea that I personally have wrestled with. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've looked at this one myself. Now, if you're a church person and you've grown up in the church, you know what I mean when I talk about tithe. When I say the word tithe, like, I know what that means. If you are new or newer or you're just kind of exploring this thing of faith, right now you're saying, I don't even know what tithe means. So you're very confusing right now, Craig. Okay, just stick with me for a minute because I'll, I will get to explaining that here as we walk through this, all right? Uh, but the principle of the tithe is something that I have wrestled with or I've questioned a little bit on my own. Now, to be honest, I have tithed since I was a child. It's something that I was taught and trained as a, as a young kid, okay? And so I have faithfully, and Amber and I, from the beginning of our marriage, we have faithfully tithed. Uh, but later in life, I began to ask this question, well, is this still for everyone? Is this for everyone? Is this something that applies to everyone, or is this some element of that religious dogma, that stuff that gets added, right? Like, it's not really the true core. Is It just gets added on to stuff, Right? And so I want to say this, that there's probably some people in the room that you are faithful tithers. You've been tithing your whole life. That's been something that's been a part of your life, and you never have questioned it. Awesome. No worries, okay? But my guess is there's some other of you who have said things like this. Well, that's an Old Testament thing, right? Or maybe you said this, well, I'm not under the law, and so that doesn't really apply to me. Here's what I want to say. I totally get it because I've said some of those same things. I've wrestled through some of those same things, and this is why I think we need to take some time to talk about this today. Now, why would somebody say, well, this doesn't apply to me today? Why is that a, an idea? Because when we talk about the idea of the tithe, now remember, if you don't know what a tithe is, just stick with me. We'll get there in a minute. But when we talk about the tithe, what do we naturally think about? I think we think about the Old Testament, and specifically, we think about the law, because that's where the tithe is specifically talked about, is in the law. If you don't know what the law is, you're like, I have no idea. I've heard of laws. I don't know what the law is. The law is something that was formed between God and his people. Remember, we talked about God had his special people, the Israelites. And God came into a special relationship, what's called a covenant relationship with these people. He says, I'm going to have a deep relationship with you. And there are some things that I'm going to do, and there are some expectations that I'm going to have from you. That's what this law is. This relationship demands some stuff from us. And the idea of the tithe is spelled out in this law, which is this covenant between God and his people. Okay, that's where we find the tithe. As New Testament believers, that's what we are. We're New Testament. It's very easy to say, well, yeah, but we're, we're not under the law anymore, right? We have a new covenant that we're a part of, right? But hear this. Jesus, when he talked about the law, what he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to what? 
fulfill the law, to complete the law. That's what he came to do. Now, it's still, there's true, there's things in the law that we say, well, yeah, but we don't do that exact thing. Yeah, but I, I believe wholeheartedly that the law still has something to say to us today. We don't have the, the ability to just simply toss it out because every time Jesus said, God said, every time Jesus said, the word says, scripture teaches, what was he referring to? The Old Testament. So we won't get to just toss this thing out, okay? But there's a few things we need to recognize anytime we approach ideas in the law. Sorry, you got, I'm giving you a little setup here before we get into this thing, okay? There's three things. If you got your notes, look at the top part of your notes. There's three things we need to understand before looking at the law. Number one is this. The law wasn't written to us, but it is for us. How many have heard something like that before? <laughs> I've said this many times. It's not written to us. I get it. But it is written for us. There is something for us to glean from this. Remember when Jesus talked about the law, he didn't say, you've heard it said in the law, but let's throw that out. What did he say? You've heard it said here, but I say this. He took the law and raised the bar over and over and over again. He said, listen, I'm expecting great things from people who are following me. Okay? Second thing, though, in your notes is this, is that we need to look, when approaching the law, we need to look for the principle. We need to look for the principle. What do I mean by that? In, in, uh, in the law, you will see ideas. You will see the heart of God. You will see what God desires from his people. And you will see the principle of those, those things. And we have to be able to glean those principles out. Think about it. When, when they came to Jesus and they said, hey, hey, what's the most important commandment? What did he do? He gleaned the principle of the entire law and prophets. What did he say? Love God, love people. All this thing, the principle of this entire thing is what? Love God, love people. All right? So when we look at the law, we have to be able to do that. What is the principle here? third thing we need to recognize is this. So we have to recognize some things are transcendent. Some things are transcendent. What do I mean by that? There are things in the law that transcend the law. Let me give you an example. How many of you still think murder is wrong? Some of you didn't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. No, we get it. Murder is in the law. What? It's one of the Ten Commandments. And we say, we're not under the law, so therefore we can... No, we know that murder is transcendent. In fact, murder is talked against before we ever get to the law. Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills Abel. What happens? God says, what are you doing, right? Obviously, murder is not a good thing. This idea and this concept of murder, it transcends the law. It's beyond just simply the scope of the law. There's other things like that. There's stealing. There's adultery. These ideas that are in the law, but we would say just because we threw out the law or we're beyond the law doesn't mean we throw that idea out, right? There are transcendent ideas. And the concept, I believe that the concept of the tithe is just like this, okay? I believe that it is a transcendent law. Why do I say that? Because honestly, the first occurrence of tithe isn't even in the law. It happens in Genesis chapter 14. There's a story. Abraham goes and rescues his cousin Lot, right? And he goes and he rescues him. He's saved him. He comes back. He's got all this stuff, all this plunder, all this wealth, right? What does he do? He comes up and he comes face to face with the priest of God most high, Melchizedek. You hear it talked about later in the New Testament. And what does he do? He takes a tithe of everything he has and he gives it to the priest, gives it to the Lord through the priest, Melchizedek, right? 
And so this concept, we say, okay, well, it happened before the law. And Jesus, well, Jesus never commands the tithe, you're right, but he addresses the tithe, and at no point does he pull it off the table. In fact, he reaffirms it, that this is something, an expectation. It's obvious this is what you are doing, right? And so this concept of tithe is not something that we can just simply pull away. I believe that it is something that is transcendent. And so I want us to be able to talk about this a little bit more because as we look at Scripture, I think we're going to see more and more what is it really all about. If you got your notes, follow along here. There's some fill-ins for you because I know some of you like to fill stuff in, okay? Point number one is this. Tithe means tenth. Tithe means tenth. For those of you who are still that were saying, what in the world is tithe? It means tenth. That's all it means, all right? So what does that mean? A tithe is not a vague or arbitrary amount. A tithe literally means tenth. And so when we talk about tithing, this is a financial conversation. It's a stuff conversation that we are giving a tenth, all right? To tithe means if I give you ten dollars, ten single dollar bills, what is a tithe? One of those dollars. We're good at math. Go us, okay? Right? That's what a tithe is. All right, point number one. We got that. Let's go to point number two. Point number two is this. The tithe shows trust. The tithe shows trust. I've talked to you about my son Asher before. Asher is seven. Asher is crazy. Asher is like a bull in a china cabinet, okay? When I have something that is delicate or, or, or you know, precious, I don't give it to Asher, okay? Because by the time I turn around, it will be broken. I don't trust him with delicate things. That's just how it is, all right? All right. The tithe shows trust. Follow with me. We talked about this several months ago. More than just being a tenth, the tithe is the first. There's two principles I want to point to in the law. Two principles. The law of the first uh, fruits and the law of firstborn. What are they? First fruits means if I got a crop, I got, here's my crop, I take the first things. First fruit that comes up, I take it and I bring it and I give it to the Lord as an offering. Okay? The very first. When I go to my firstborn... I'm not sitting around waiting for the extras. The firstborn that comes, I take it and I offer that to the Lord. What does that say? Specifically, in an in a, uh, agrarian society, why is that a big deal? Because there's no guarantee there's any more coming. I take the first th crops that come and I give that to the Lord. What happens if there's a hailstorm tomorrow? Destroys the rest of the... I just gave them everything I had. Why would I do that? What's the point? The point is saying, listen, God, I trust you. I trust you. I'm not withholding here. I'm not setting back. You know, listen, my hope is not in my crops. My hope is not in my herds. My hope is not in my wallet. My hope is not in my bank account. My hope isn't in my job. It is in my skills and my ability to earn money. God, my hope is in you. I trust you, God. That's what the tithe is about. The tithe is the first, all right? So that means if I gave you 10 $1 bills, what is the tithe? The first one. It's not just any old dollar. It's the first one. Now, how many of you still use a checkbook? Anybody still use a checkbook? A couple of you. Good. <laughs> I, I, I have an old soul, so I still use a checkbook, okay? Because I like to really keep track of my money. I want to know where this stuff goes. All right? But you can look, and I don't say this for any reason but to be a challenge to you, is that you can look to every checkbook ever since I've, I've lived, every checkbook since me and Amber have been married. Every time there is a deposit... I can tell you what the next thing on the line is, the tithe. It's the first thing that goes into my checkbook after a deposit comes in. Why is that? Because our natural tendency is not to function that way. Our natural tendency is to say, well, God, I'll just give you the leftovers, right? 
I'll give you what's left. If there's any margin at the end, if I get to the end of the month and I got five bucks, I'll toss it in the offering. And, and, and what that says is, listen, my hope really is in my ability to earn money, my ability to make money, my ability to support everything. That's where my hope is at. And God, you're just an extra. Instead of positioning it the other way around where we say, God, my hope is in you. If you don't come through, then I'm going to be in trouble because I'm giving you the first. I'm giving you the best. Here's what I hear when I, when I talk about the tithe. It, it's this, that you don't work your tithe around your life. You work your life around your tithe. To say, God, I value you. I put you first, right? And this is, this is why we talked about this back in Matthew chapter 6. When we are tithing, it's this idea. Remember, seek first the kingdom of God. We talked about that verse, and that has wide application, but it's in the midst of a financial conversation where God is saying, listen, Put me first. Value what is eternal first. And that's what the tithe does. It positions our life in our heart to say, God, we put you first. The tithe shows trust. Third point, though, is this. Is the tithe is a test. The tithe, how many of you hate tests? Me. I don't like tests. Okay, I'm not a big test taker, okay? But do you ever wonder, why is it 10%? Why, why did God pick 10%? I think, honestly, it's because we're not real bright, and that's pretty easy to figure out. Just move, the, just move the decimal point one over, and we call it good, right? Okay, no, but, but there's another reason, and this is a thing that I think you need to see in Scripture. In Scripture, numbers carry with them meaning. We know that the number seven in Scripture means completeness, fullness, wholeness, perfection, right? That's what seven means. Did you know that the number 10 represents something as well? Ten through scriptures generally represents testing and obedience. So when we talk about uh, when uh, God wants to rescue his people, right, and he sends Moses to Egypt to rescue his people, what does he do? He gives uh, a number of tests to Pharaoh to see if he is going to be obedient and to release his people. What, how many tests and, and uh, plagues does he send? Ten, exactly. When God gives commandments, right? He gives these commandments to his people, a test his, of obedience. How many commandments are there? Ten. When we get to the book of Daniel, Daniel is given a test to see, is, is his diet going to be good enough? It's going to, how many days was he tested for? Ten days. You didn't know that answer. Sorry. You should catch on here. It's pretty, I'm not trying to throw you off here. Okay, we get to the New Testament. Jesus talks, he uses the number 10 a lot. He gives a number of different stories. One of the parables, he talks about these virgins who are tested. How many virgins are there? How many disciples does Jesus have? No, 12, exactly. <laughs> I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> that was for you. Okay, um, we get to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, it talks about a testing. How many days is the test? Ten days. Okay, I didn't throw you off on that one, all right? This is a number that is consistently throughout. So when we look at the tithe, which is this understanding of ten, I think it is the ultimate test because it has to do with our money. And we all kind of like our money, right? It's something that we tend to hold on to, right? And this is why Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This understanding of, listen, what I value. And so often we find our security and our hope in our finances. And God is saying, listen, I want to test where your security and where your hope is really at, right? And we say, well, God just wants our money. I don't think he needs your money. You know what he wants? Your heart. And if he can get your money, he knows your heart will follow after that, all right? This is a heart conversation. Why do we got pictures of hearts all over? The That's what this whole book is about. 
This thing isn't a money conversation. He's saying, will you be faithful to me in every area of your life, right? If you got a question, you think, well, God just is interested in getting. Look at the rest of this. Look at what it says in verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He goes on, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Listen, it's a very specific, but remember, let's think what's the principle here. Listen, God's heart isn't to get. What is his heart? To bless. That's his desire. The question mark comes, are you going to be faithful? Am I going to be faithful and look to him as my provider? Listen, I know what it's like to look at your checkbook and say, man, I could use that money right now. I get it. And some of you are in a season, and I'm not talking because I want, I want to make anyone feel guilty this morning. I'm just called to, to preach this as clearly as I can. So you're maybe not, you're struggling right now. Hey, that's okay. Like, I, I'm not here to put a guilt trip on anyone. I'm simply here to say this is what God is calling us toward. Would we pursue this type of faithfulness, even in our finances? Malachi, what does he say? He comes at it and he says, uh, God's saying, I've been faithful to you. And you walk through this. Week two, you haven't been faithful to me in your worship. You've been going through the motions. Week three, you haven't been faithful in your relationships, right? Week four, you haven't been faithful in your justice and those issues like we talked about last week. Week five, you're not being faithful in your finances, right? And so I want to get to our big so what. And the big so what is, is kind of taking this concept across the entire book. And here's the big so what for this morning. It's this. Faithfulness to God affects everything. Faithfulness to God affects everything. Do you want to follow Jesus? Like, we, we talked about this last week. Micah preached a powerful message last week. And so many of you responded. I mean, there was 40, 50 of you responded saying, God, I want to surrender. I don't feel like I'm living surrender. I want to be surrendered to you. Here's the problem that we have is so often we want to surrender and keep our little exempt list. God, I will surrender to you, but this relationship I've got going on here, I, that's mine. God, I surrender to you. Oh, but this situation off the side, I know it's not totally ethical, but it's fine, God, right? I want to surrender to you, but how I treat this person, it's okay. That's just, that's on my exempt list, you know. God, I want to surrender to you, but do not touch my wallet. And the gospel is not about, you know, when, I, I hope you hear me speak this morning. The gospel doesn't say this, hey, as long as you're a good tither, then God will like you. That's not what this is. The gospel says this, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It comes only through Christ. It is his gift to give to us. It is the only way we receive this gift is by putting our faith, our trust in him, by surrendering to him. But that means that our response, what is our response to his grace? Is it to withhold, to say, God, I love you, I love you, but not all the way. Or is our response, my response to your grace, God, is utter surrender in every area of my life. To put you first. God, you don't just have my lips. I don't just sit around on Sunday and sing songs. You can have all of me. No, God, I actually give all of me to you. And if there's an area of my life that I'm still withholding, Father, would you shine your light down on me? Would you make it evident to me? Faithfulness to God affects everything. There's a prayer that Jesus taught us, remember? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. I've been praying that prayer differently in my life. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my relationships as it is in heaven. You know, in my ears as it is in heaven. In my eyes as it is in heaven. With my mouth as it is in heaven. With my finances as it would would I be in a position of utter surrender to you where it's all about your kingdom and not about mine? And so my challenge here this morning, and there's some of you here that would say, you know what, there is a place in, in my life where I kind of have it on the exempt list. You know, all of us, students, we have, students, you're, you're not too young to have an exempt list. We all have those exempt lists. We say, God, I love you, but I'm gonna do things my way over here, right? What is that thing? There may be some of you that this morning, God would say, hey, you know there's an area you've been holding off on your own. I'm gonna ask you to respond to that. But for everyone else, here's my challenge to you. It's a very, very simple challenge. It's just simply this. Would you take the step to tithe? Would you take the step to tithe? To put your finances into a position of obedience before God. Now, what does that look like? For some of you, that's truly to step into tithe because you've been kind of there, you've been loose, and you're saying, God, I wanna commit. I wanna put you first in that area. I wanna trust you in a new way. That's my challenge to you. But there's others of you who say, you know, I said this several months ago, there's no way I could get there today. Like, I, I'm not there. Then my challenge is, could you get to a place where you begin to trust, that you move toward that direction? It may mean the first five bucks you make, you say, God, I give that to you. I don't care what it is. But to start to position yourself, I've said this before, I don't ever look at what comes in here. I don't know what anybody gives around here, so I don't really give a rip. It's not what it's about. What, I, what God desires is your heart. That's what he desires. And so my prayer for you is that, that you would find freedom in here, that you would experience the freedom that God has for you to begin to take a step of faithfulness this way. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to challenge us this week, that we would find the ways, God, can we no longer set down this exempt list and say, God, we put that away, God, I want it all to be yours. Offer my whole self to you, whatever that is.